taking you inside the world of music. This is Inside Music Cast with Rick Such and Eddie Cabello. On this episode, Inside Music Cast welcomes Mark Kibble. When Take Six came onto the music scene in 1988 with their self-titled debut album, they started breaking the rules of how music was being created, and as a founding member of the band, Mark Kibble was a key perpetrator. The group calls Kibble the architect, due to the fact that he was key in designing and molding the Take Six sound, and no one else sounds like Take Six. Nobody. Together, they proceeded to design a fresh, vocally-driven sound consisting of gospel, jazz, doo-wop, R&B, pop, 60s soul, and a hip-hop approach that has been working for 20 years. By the way, Kibble, like several of the members of the band, isn't only an amazing first tenor, he's also a Yamaha-endorsing guitarist and formidable producer. Although Kibble and his younger sibling Joey are part of the group, it's evident that after 20 years, all six members treat each other like brothers. Take Six has won countless awards, from Grammys to Doves to Soul Train, but along the way, Kibble and the group have kept their feet planted on the ground. Inside Music Cast welcomes Mark Kibble. Hey, Mark, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you. Welcome, Good to be Mark. here. All right. Hey, Mark, we just want to start off by, you know, just uh, congratulating you and Take Six for, you know, being the most nominated gospel, jazz, pop, and R&B artists, I think 18 in, in all, in, in Grammy history. Yes, exactly. <laughs> thank you very much. That's incredible. It, Applause it button. It's quite an honor, trust <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I speaking of the Grammys, the, the first time I ever I knew of Take Six. I think it was in either 87 or 88 when you guys performed on the Grammys for the first time. And I, I remember that moment. I was sitting in my dorm room, and uh, I was just absolutely blown away. And I, I, I kid you not, I didn't have any money in college, but I ran down to the record shop in the village where I went to school and bought your record the next day. I just, I was just totally blown away. Well, I have to personally thank you for that. Right <laughs> but thank then you I, very much. My hand is outstretched. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, you have to remember, nobody has any money in college, Rick. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and that means I thank you even more. Exactly. Hey, looking back at your career, did you ever envision the t- Take Six would ever become such a main staple in, uh, you know, American music? I mean, when you say Take Six, everybody's ears perk up. Did you ever think that it would ever happen? I never had a clue. <laughs> you know, I didn't even know what the possibilities were when we were starting off. Right. Uh, didn't really know any much about the industry. I shouldn't say anything, but I, I knew a little something, but not to the degree that I know now. Yeah. And, um, and back then, when we first got started, we were like deers caught in headlights. So many things were going on that we actually did not know or have a clue Mm. of what was actually happening. And if we did, uh, we probably would have had heart attacks. (laughs) (laughs) Like they say, everything happens for a reason at the right time, right? That's right. right. You know, what I find so amazing is that in the mid-80s, you know, uh, an acapella vocal group, you know, the music at least in this genre, you know, it was the last thing that people were even going to be listening to. And uh, everything else was the synth-based, you know, digital sounds. The DXs were big and R&B. And, and then here comes this acapella vocal group, you know. What was it about that sound that, that shook people up? Wow. You know, it, to, for us, it was something old mixed with something new, you mm-hmm. know. It was like a combination of things. And um, and there was nothing else happening like it at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were mixing you know, old jazz uh, chords, 
jazz vocals with with really soulful gospel kind of singing, and that had never been done before. Right. So mm-hmm. you know, when people listen, it was like, what is this that, that's going on? Yeah. Where well, the elements had always been there. They, you know, there's the old saying that there's nothing new under the sun, but um, there's always a new twist on right. what happens under the sun, and we kind that's of right. put that new twist on it, and, and it, it just took to the wind. Right. Tell us a little bit about the beginning of Take Six at uh, at Oakwood College there in Huntsville, and, and how did it all happen? Yeah, really. Wow, that, here goes that story. All right. <laughs> we like that story, you know? <laughs> well, I played a very integral part in that story. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was back in the year 1980. I know many people can't even remember that. They weren't even born. <laughs> but I, I know I'm dating myself here. But anyway, back in um, Oakwood College in Huntsville, Alabama, northern Alabama, um, Claude McKnight was uh, coming there as a freshman and had the notion to start uh, yet another uh, gospel quartet. That uh, There were so many of them, the school's actually known for that sound. Really? And people come there and they sing the same songs and the same arrangements and just see who can sing them better. Wow. And, um, and he was doing just that. And they were rehearsing one of the uh, old favorites in the bathroom of an auditorium. And I walked in on that rehearsal uh, just before they were getting ready to perform. Um, I, I held my nose, and I <laughs> went in there. And <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And I just tried to, to uh, I'd recognize Claude's voice because uh, we grew up together in Buffalo, New York. So, um I, I heard the song, recognized it, and I decided to add a fifth part that they had never heard before. And they liked it so much, and they said, why don't you just come on and sing with us this, you know, on this particular performance? And we did just that. And, and um, as they say, the rest is history, but there's a lot to it behind that, too. Mm-hmm. I started doing arrangements for them and thus honing the sound. There was a, uh, I made it a five-man group, and I decided to add one more guy to make it a six-man group and and uh, expand the sound somewhat, right. um, and and there was the beginnings of what is now Take Six. Do you find that in your vocal um, arrangements, uh, even the very early ones, that uh, instead of three, four, five part harmony, do you ever how complex harmonies do you guys actually jump into? I mean, I mean, we're talking about jazz chords here, so we're talking about ninths and elevenths, and how how deep, Mark, do you ever get? Uh, um, you know, with the arrangements. Oh, I'm, I have no limits. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, um, I um, I love to get deep, but you know, there's one thing about being deep: you still have to make it uh, palatable and make it so that you know Joe Blow can get with the program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's 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 uh, an art to being deep and you know expanding chords, yet keeping something simple that yeah. everybody can kind of grab a hold to and so yeah i'd love to get deep with stuff and you know we as far as chord expansions are concerned we are limited to six voices Mm -hmm. but um as my colleague cedric dent showed me early on much can be done to imply even bigger chords than what we can do with six voices and in fact a lot of times that happens because we have somebody we might want to do uh, a double octave lead, you know, mm-hmm. um, or or something like that, uh, and and in the background we have to cover what would be that expanded six part chord. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, there are always ways to skin the cat, and we will try every last one of them, trust me. <laughs> That's neat. Uh, you know, we'll get probably into a little bit of more of the, the music theory and how you approach music in just a few more questions. But uh, by the time that Take Six was formed, how many people had come and gone through the group? Because you didn't really f- start up with uh, the actual final members. Is that correct? Yes, right. Yeah. You know, I lost count. Did you really? <laughs> uh-huh. I lost count. There were was, there was the three upper voices. There was Claude, Mervyn Warren, and myself. And the three lower voices changed so many times. Wow. Um, we had two voices, our bass and baritone, that pretty much stuck for the first four years, but then graduated. And that 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 infamous fourth part down, mm-hmm. we probably tried 25 to 30 different guys oh my uh, just on that one part. And, you know, then you add a couple more for the other parts and... You know, we had a slew of people coming through there, and um, but you know, finally in '85, we did come up with the definitive lineup. Hmm. You know, the the voice in itself is is you know definitely an, an instrument, and I'm sure that you know it took years uh, to hone in your skills. But when you were growing up, were you part of a musical family? I mean, did you have any other singers in your family that you uh, apart from your brother? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true, right? Right. I mean, yeah. apart, apart from your brother, but it's yeah. funny you should say that. Right. <laughs> I mean, like mom um, and dad, or any... yeah. My brother, he he, he uh, came into the group in '91, mm-hmm. um, and my brother's seven years younger than I am, mm-hmm. so he pretty much grew up listening to everything that I was doing. <laughs> and um, my, I have an older sister that that can sing somewhat, but does not, you know, chose to not do that as a career. Uh-huh. Uh, my mother and my father both sing, and they're both very, very musical. Um, but not in a professional sense. Mm-hmm. Um, my father's a, a minister. You're PJ, uh, retired right? minister now, but you know. Yeah. So the preaching is in the blood as well <laughs> as the music. So you know, you couple all that together, and and you pretty much come up with what we have between the two of us. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a few minutes ago you mentioned uh, Cedric Dent, and uh, it, you know. He's a pretty proficient keyboardist. And how many members of the group actually play instruments? And, and uh, do others uh, play any keyboards as well? Oh, yes. In fact, everybody plays something. Okay. Um, Claude uh, will play the trombone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave plays trombone. A real trombone or just? <laughs> a real trombone. In real life. We actually bought one for him just to see if it was true. <laughs> <laughs> and he blew it, and he actually made notes. <laughs> I'll tell you another Nashville cat that plays trombone is uh, David Hungate, who's been on our show before. Oh, do, yeah. Do you know yeah, David? Yeah. <laughs> He's, He's not bit. the only one. Alvin plays trombone. Alvin is a very good keyboardist as well. Yeah. Um, I would say that keyboarding is his first instrument. Um, David plays keys, trombone, and guitar. Mm-hmm. And Joey plays guitar. And a couple of, oh, he plays trumpet and flute mm-hmm. and plays at the piano. And I play piano, and Cedric, of course, plays piano. So, um, does that, co- that cover everybody? Yeah, I think <laughs> well, You know, I'm Cedric Dent. I've, I've seen a couple of, I've happened to, to jump on the YouTube thing for a little bit, and I've seen a few clips where, where Cedric is, I mean, he's just an incredible, really a jazz pianist, you know? He is, and he is incredible. He is amazing. What's his background a little bit? Where did did he come in with his chops and, and, you know, what made him? Oh, he was deep. 
Yeah. From the very beginning, we knew that he uh, he was a, a, a bona fide pianist mm-hmm. and arranger. Uh, when he came into the group, we yeah. pulled him from Detroit, and um, uh, he was doing his doctorate while we were uh, all trying to finish college, or doing his, I should say his master's. Right. But um, but yes, he has a doctorate in music theory, so hmm. he's a deep cat, and. Uh, you know, his, his jazz roots are deep, his gospel roots are deep, and now he's a professor at, at MTSU in, uh, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee now, and he's just, okay. he's killing it. He's, wow. he's an awesome dude. Uh, if you ever get to hear him play, you know, he, uh, I'm trying to recall the guy that he loves to listen to. Yeah, I me. can't call it right now, but it'll, it'll probably come to me in a minute. Yeah, okay. Well, but, um, but I tell you, he's he's absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's just such a such a neat feel. I mean, it uh, it seems to be just the right uh, unique component. I, I I take it that he's probably the only is he the only keyboardist that actually performs with the the band vocally on stage, or do you switch the instrumentation out? Actually, no. Really? Um, Alvin Chia yeah. also oh. plays now That's um, right. and plays quite a bit. Oh. Um, I I did play myself for a season, uh, but you know because my I'm I'm usually behind the scenes playing. I, I don't yeah. really bring it back, bring it out on stage that much. Mm-hmm. But but Alvin, um, he's he's quite a keyboardist as well. Really. So between the two of them, you'll get the the, the uh, keyboard standard. <laughs> mm-hmm. Are you guys all composers or arrangers? How do the tracks develop as you prepare for new work? I mean, right, is there a, yeah. is there a main team of the group that deals with the writing? Um, you know, we have all done arrangements at some point or mm-hmm. another. Okay. Um, but uh, I primarily do it now, and Cedric is my right-hand man, and David also does quite a bit of arranging and production. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, uh, Alvin has pretty much taken the, the voiceover and uh, session singing out in L.A. by storm. Mm-hmm. And um, between Claude and Joey, they, they take other roles in the group. So, you know, the, the arranging is primarily between the three of us, Cedric, David, and myself. Yeah, at least the initial concepts and everybody else puts a little bit of frosting on it, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. now, you know, we do the arranging, but mm-hmm. everybody comes up with those concepts. Right. And we mm-hmm. take those and take them to the bank and make some mad stuff out of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've, um, on what, how many labels have you guys been on? I'm just very curious. Uh, this is sort of a, a tangent question, but, you know, since how the many labels? Yeah, how many labels have you guys Actually, been on? Actually, not that many. Really? Um, uh, Warner uh-huh. has uh, pretty much done most of the labels for us. We were on Warner Brothers with Warner Reprise, mm-hmm. with Warner Alliance, with Warner Brothers Proper, um, and um, let's see. The the only thing is that they were distributed by some other other uh, labels like Reunion, right? Uh, at at, other, at one other point. And since we stopped with Warner, we established our own label, mm-hmm. which is Take Six Records. We did uh, the record feels good on that, right? And um, and now we're doing one for. Uh, heads up, which is under Universal, right, and that's about it. Does the label ever? I don't want to say they use the word interfere or inject its input as to, you know, what we're looking for, uh, you know, on this record, or are you guys paving your way so so nicely that you guys can say, hey, look, we're going to do this type of record? How does that come in, Mark? Uh, 
Well, um, we learned a lot when we uh, when we did Take Six Records. Uh, the label, uh, you know, for the longest time, they were responsible for that promotional package. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, we'd give them ideas, but they would just run with it. And it is so important because we found out that when we had our own label, we had to wear so many hats right. and do so many things and make sure that so many... Uh, Stones were uncovered, and it was just, it was, it was crazy. So we have a great appreciation of what the label brings to the table. Now, usually the label um, allows us as a group to be uh, creatively in control. Um, and that, that has been a plus for us, but e- even with this record, mm-hmm. we, we actually solicit what they would love to hear from us, and mm-hmm. that's why this next record is going to be an all-jazz standard CD. That's cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. And that's going to be coming out when, uh, you said? In- if we turn it on, on t- in on time, it'll be out this fall. This fall. That's Very neat. cool. You know, Take Six, is, it's it's primarily known, as we already know, as a acapella vocal group. But um, I really dig the, you know, when you put the vocals to, to sometimes occasional real instrumentation. Uh, one song that uh, or track that really stands out to me is, is uh, your remake of David Pack's Biggest Part of Me. Oh yeah, that's a that's a really cool cut. Talk to me about that uh, that track and and how you guys changed it up because uh, I know you you guys know David uh, pretty well too, don't you? Yeah, we do. Yeah. We're actually very good friends with David Pack. He's such a great uh, producer and arranger, and, uh, an artist. Um, that song was uh, Claude's idea, mm-hmm. and he and his brother Brian McKnight actually came up with the concept of how he would do that song. Yeah, and. Um, and you know, as as many things happen with Brian McKnight, he kind of picked a hit for us. So <laughs> it was good. It was good. It was fun to do. And David Foster came in and, and did some of the producing on that one, and uh, and made it what it was. And putting our stamp on it, we love to put those harmonies. But you know, even with that song, those harmonies were kind of already. Uh, set in stone, so we just kind of added a flavor here or there that wasn't there in the first place. Yeah. So it was definitely a big pleasure for us to do that one. Hey, you know, guys, uh, we're we're teasing the audience here, and and we've talked a lot about uh, you know Take Six's version of Biggest Part of Me. So let's uh, let's take a quick break and hear a sample. He's the light that's pleasing me. If you 
that was the Take Six rendition of the Ambrosia classic, Biggest Part of Me. And uh, we're here with our guest, Mark Kibble. And Mark, you know, that was a really an amazing arrangement of that song. That was an awesome track. Thank you. I was curious, if, if you would, could you break down the, the vocal parts with uh, members uh, of the band? I mean, you know, who sings tenor, etc.? With great pleasure. <laughs> Starting. <laughs> and starting in and left center. corner. <laughs> standing at 6'3". <six> <laughs> and he would fame anyway. Right. Uh, top part, Claude McKnight. Right. He sings the first tenor. I okay. sing the next part under him, which is actually another first tenor part. Uh, second tenor, the first second tenor is David Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second second tenor is Joey Kibble. Mm-hmm. On baritone, we have Cedric Dent, and on bass, none other than the great Alvin Gia. Whoa. Applause button. Eddie, when I post this, we're going to have to have a little applause. That's what I, I was mean, just thinking right now. Put a big cheer in between each one. In this corner. You know, when Claude hears it, you know, the fact, the fact that I just kind of notioned the basketball. <laughs> yeah, right. He's going to love that. <laughs> He's watching the basketball right now, you know. <laughs> you know, you know he is. <laughs> yeah, we, we, uh, we recently spent time chatting with uh, a pretty amazing musician in his own right, Kirk Whalem. Yes. Uh, from from Memphis, and you know, have you collaborated with him much? I think I think you've done a, a Christmas record that included yeah, him in the right. past, right? We definitely did. We definitely did. One of our most favorite cuts is um, doing "Let It Snow" mm-hmm. with uh-huh. him, and uh, he came in and played the sax. And I tell you now, that has got to be one of the the baddest solos. I've ever heard him play. He is just amazing when he came in there. And the fact that we were in there watching and witnessing him actually do it was mm-hmm. just, it was just mind blowing. Mm-hmm. We love, he has a way of making that sax talk like nobody else I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like conversation. And, and, you know, I, I just, I love the way he phrases stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I hope it won't be the last time. I'm pretty sure it won't be the last time we yeah. collaborate That's with like- him. Kirk, if you're listening. such an outstanding artist. <laughs> yeah, right, Kirk. <laughs> she was. You know, Al- Alvin Jaya has, uh, he's your amazing vocalist. And he, uh, quite often he adds such a huge sense of rhythm to many of the tracks. And I'm just curious, um, just because of the rhythm aspect of it, it, it you know, you said he's a, he's a pianist, right? Yes, he he's, is. Is he also a drummer? I'm just curious because of no. his. No. He, he's not, huh? Okay. Not at all. Is there a drummer in, in the band? Does anybody play with it? Or? Actually, no. No? Um, David is probably the best drummer out of all of us. He'll yeah. actually sit on a trap and, and go for it. <laughs> you know? and, but we all are very rhythmic. Yeah. Um, Joey beatboxes his brains out. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, we, we, we know what we're going for. Yeah. So, you know, even, even with me, you know, I'd, if I actually... <laughs> Uh, set, took the time and sat down on some drums, I could probably play too. I'm um, actually, I've taught my son to play a little bit as much as, as much as I know, but yeah. you know, that's, that's not very much. <laughs> 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 but you know, the rhythm is in us, that's right. for sure. Sure. Now, this is one of the more serious questions we're going to ask, but, you know, as you know, you know, apart from the Grammys that you won, <laughs> you know, you know you've made it when you performed on, on uh, the ABCs on Sesame Street. <laughs> you know that's big. That's big time, man. 
You are so right. You are so right. If, if you know you've made it when a two-year-old comes up to you and says, yeah. I know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's happened. That's happened. When did you guys uh, do that? Yeah, well, really? Mean, and, did, and did your kids know that you were on Sesame Street? <laughs> well, you know what? It's funny you should say that because it all happened long before our kids were. <laughs> we did that early. We did that in the probably ninety two, ninety one, ninety two, yeah. and um, and you know, if you look at us now and look at us then, you can tell. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it still plays, and yeah. kids still, you know. I think one of the, the youngest kids that we have is my brother's child. He's she's got a child that's two little girl that's too and when she saw us on Sesame Street she practically lost her mind she was so excited oh, daddy's yeah. on TV daddy's on TV how did you get in there you know Sesame Street's why I've, I've got a five year old and he used to watch Sesame Street he's not quite into it as much as he used to be but he uh, um, Sesame Street you know, I watched it when I was a kid and it's one of those shows where I watch it, and I know that they rerun old, you know, episodes. Oh, yeah, but I can't tell. I don't know what year it's from. I mean, mm-hmm. you watch the show, and it's the set's pretty much the same, and I can never, you know, <laughs> it's it's really difficult to tell, you know, when that when those one episodes. decade one decade sort of blends with the other. You yeah, know? That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's they, really good for us. <laughs> I guess the only way you can really tell is just looking at you know hairstyles and clothing and something like that. <laughs> that's Telltale hairstyle. <laughs> <laughs> We've been found out. <laughs> You've been found out, man. Take six has been on Sesame Street, you know. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you, we're trying to get back, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe after the next album. I'll put in a good word. You go. Big Bird, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big Bird. Hey, Take Six has been uh, has had a pretty significant relationship in the past years with, with Quincy Jones. And, uh, in fact, I was just re-listening uh, to uh, Quincy's, geez, a few days ago, his uh, 89 album called Back on the Block. And and uh, and the track, uh, there's a very significant track that you guys participated in, and it was called Setembro, which is the Brazilian wedding song. It's uh, Yvonne Lin's song. And you guys work with, is it Sarah Vaughn? That's right. And what a beautiful track. Do you remember that track? Oh, absolutely. It's one of our absolute all-time favorite tracks. Tell us a, a little bit about uh, your memories on, on that uh, that session, uh, working with Quincy and this song, which is a real classic. Matt, that was such an awesome occasion. First of all, there, there are several high points that happened on that particular track. Mm-hmm. Um, we were you know, um, recording, we were getting ready to record this thing, and we could not get away to do it because of our our other commitments. And Quincy Jones came to Nashville to record us on St. on his birthday. Wow. So there's there's, uh, number one. And then, you know, he uh, brought us to his house and he allowed me to... um, to, you know, take part in the arranging on that. One thing about Quincy, he, he puts you in a position to be at your best. Yeah. That's something that he's known for. He picks the best artists and makes you absolutely comfortable doing what it is that you do. That's neat. And um, mm. uh, he did that for me, uh, gave me the opportunity, and then I had to bring that before the king and show him what it was that we were going to do. And it was a, a high learning experience for me. Mm-hmm. It was just incredible what was going on there. And, um, um, you know, there was a point when 
uh, part of the arrangement didn't work, and I had to go back and redo uh, what needed to be done to make it what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, it's like uh, almost a slap on the wrist unless you're ready for to hear something like that. So <laughs> it was, you know, just an amazing experience. Experience, and then. Um, you know, we we heard the finished product, and Sarah Vaughn was on there, and that was the last recording that Sarah Vaughn ever did. Really? So uh, we are so <clears throat> so honored, and it came out to be so beautiful. That's an Yvonne Lynn's yeah. tune, and my goodness, the melodies that he writes are just amazing. They are. Did you so, ever? Ex- excuse me. In preparation for that track. Were you already familiar with that piece, or did Quincy have you study? I mean, because it's a 1980 recording that uh, off of That's of Lynn's right. album. Did you guys have to study that, or we had to study that? Yeah, yeah. we okay. went back to the original version of it, and um, you know, you take that, go from there, and, yeah. and put the take six flavor on it. You know, and he allowed us to have that little section in the middle where we do what we do. Yeah. But you know, but the song is a song. It's just absolutely a beautiful, amazing mm-hmm. song. Yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely recommend if uh, any of our audience listening out there that if you ever uh, if you get the chance to listen to the track, you know, uh, Brazilian Weddings uh, off of the back on the block album from Quincy Jones. I also recommend you going back to the 1980 Ev- Ivan Lenz recording because to 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 hear what Ivan Lenz had originally written uh really uh, uh can open your eyes as to what how great of a jazz composer he really was. Um he was not only complex music but I think uh it's he's he, he hasn't probably gotten enough credit for what he's written. Don't you agree? I would definitely yeah. agree with that. Mm-hmm. He has written some of the most beautiful pieces. Yeah. Um, we actually did another one of his pieces, um, uh, the song Lullaby, where Alvin and he collaborated on the lyrics, but he pretty much came up with the melody and the the, the gist of that particular song. Mm-hmm. He's done so many beautiful songs. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. So many. You know, mm-hmm. if you ever get a chance to check out Yvonne Lenz, yeah. you will not be disappointed. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Hey, guys, why don't we stop here for just a second and take a listen to a sample of this uh, song we've been talking about, this beautiful arrangement of the Brazilian wedding song, Setembro, from the Quincy Jones album Back in the Block, and our guest Mark Kibble from Take Six. <laughs> Thank you. 
And that was a little sample of the song Setembro, the Brazilian wedding song, featuring our guest today, Mark Kibble, and his group Take Six. Yeah, you know, over the life of Take Six, how has the group determined the feel of each project? I mean, some are more R&B, some projects, you know, are, are more instrumental and, and uh, or have more instrumentation, that is, and, and others are more vocal. I mean, what happens at the preparation stage? How do you, how do you guys, de- you know, determine what you're going to do next? Well, we've gotten a little better at that than we used to be. <laughs> um, early on, you just bring whatever you bring to the table, and mm-hmm. we used to say, okay, you know, if it calls for instruments, let's do instruments. Mm-hmm. And if it calls for, you know, uh, to be a cappella, let's just do a cappella. And if it calls for just rhythm underneath, whatever the song calls for, just let it be at its best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and then when you do that, sometimes you come up with hodgepodge. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we've, we've here lately decided more definitively when we get started what it is that we're going to do. How we want to, how, how do we want this finished project to be so that there's continuity in mm-hmm. the whole thing? Mm-hmm. Um, there were times in the past where we said, okay, let's, this album is going to be very much instrumental. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, two albums that are like that are brothers and, and join the band. But mm-hmm. we're just going to throw everything that we have in the pot. Let's just see what happens. Yeah. Uh, other albums, we knew that, that, that we wanted to stick closer to a cappella. Some songs, we wanted, to, wanted them to be more uh, thoughtful, um, uh, coming from, from a personal experience. Uh, other songs, like this next album, is not like that at all. It is, it is very much just pulling the best standards that we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that we did with uh, Marcus Miller, mm-hmm. we let Marcus Miller choose his favorites <laughs> oh, yeah. and bring, bring them to the table. <laughs> and, um, you know, they, you know, where that originally was supposed to be an all-standards CD, mm-hmm. it became uh, more of a more all-pop standard CD. So, you know, they, they, they get to be formed something like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, so he's, he's participating on this next album, then? Marcus, you say? Um, Marcus, no. No, okay. But Al Jarreau, yes. Al Jarreau, um, oh, my John Hendricks, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're throwing in one. Hopefully we'll be able to pull this off with, with Ella Fitzgerald. Oh, my nice. God. <laughs> <laughs> you know how we do it these days. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Pulling them from the grave. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, Man, it, we are so excited about this one. Uh, we have we have Brian McKnight doing something with us. We have Erin um, uh, Neville. It's just going to be it, it's going to be such a party. Wow, that's neat. Yeah, no kidding. It sounds like it. It's, it's going to be great. Yeah. And some, and, and some more. Exactly. <laughs> on the on your beautiful world album or your your record. You yes. utilized uh, an awful lot of instrumentation and with more synth textures and so on. And uh, one of the tracks that stands out to me is uh, Peter Gabriel's Don't Give Up. Yeah. Um, I believe that I believe you shared some of the lead vocals on that. That's correct, isn't it? Uh-huh. Now, you know, on that one there, on Don't Give Up, it's it's a really interesting track because it sort of changes. Uh, uh, forgive me for sort of rattling your mind a little bit, but halfway through the track, it's uh, it's very vocal, but then it also it, it starts kicking in with acoustic drums, driving the track halfway. 
um, the arrangement becomes real gospely and spiritual and the choir comes in. You know, th- that's just a very neat transition how you started as to where you ended up, you know. Yeah. Would you consider yeah. that to be one of the hodgepodge arrangements where you just it just develops? How does how does that happen? You have to get into the mind of Marcus Miller. Is that his arrangement? That was his doing. Really? <laughs> he pulled that whole thing together. It was his idea to, to bring it to the table. And, um, you know, Peter Gabriel, from the beginning, uh, kind of did something like that at the end of his song. So, you know, we knew where we wanted to go with it. But all those extra flavors, that's Marcus. Marcus Miller was putting that thing together. And, you know, we had no idea where that thing was going when we were doing it. Uh, Usually, you know, the way that Marcus and I work together, you know, he'll, he'll do the track. And he'll come up with a concept of where he wants it to go and say, well, now do do some vocals here. And, you know, I just sit there and come up with the arrangement very quickly, and we go ahead and sing it, and that's yeah. that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but the the concepts, they came from him, man. And that, that song blew up. I think it blew up even more than <laughs> what he expected it to. Yeah. So did know. he? Did he also touch, as he arranged the, you know, the whole, uh, the piece, did he also arrange some of the vocals to go with it, or did you inject that portion? I usually always injected the, uh, okay. the vocal arrangements. You know, he he would come up with a lot of the ideas of what he wanted to, wanted to do and where he wanted things to go, mm-hmm. and you know, I would kind of just you know put the thing together and make it happen. Mm-hmm. I was just curious, you know, how, how do you describe? Your music when you're asked to describe it, you know, is it? Would you would you say it's more gospel? Would you say it's more jazz, or just is it really just a fusion of a bunch of different you know kinds of music? It, it is such a fusion. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it is sometimes confusion. <laughs> no, it's, um, it is uh, my sound. My personal sound is that harmony, mm-hmm. that that acapella harmony, um, and that. That you know, is what, in essence, Take Six does first and foremost. Uh, we can put that in almost any genre of music, but because we come from spiritual backgrounds and with strong spiritual convictions, it ends up being inspirational and, mm-hmm. and you know, in some terms, just straight-up gospel. And sometimes, you know, if nothing else, it's going to be positive and uplifting. Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, we will try any style with it we'll do we know we have yet to do something in a rock style but trust me it's coming Um, and rock acapella (laughs) 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 but um but yeah any style will do but it you always have that harmonic element underneath it all right this is kind of a side note but you know uh you know who's a really big fan of take six is uh one of our past guests uh bill champlin and he he talked about that on the show a couple of times, and uh, he, he he was raving about how you guys put together vocals. Oh wow! What you, a high compliment. <laughs> do you know Bill? I don't know him personally, but I know his work. Yeah, yeah. He he definitely mentioned your name a few times, so that that's uh, I wanted to throw that out there. Oh yeah. You know, I, I, this is going back. We we kind of touched on your family a little bit ago, and you know, I was asking. Uh, um, you know, if anybody else in your family were singers, of course, your brother, but, and you said your sister touched on that, but, but, um, were your parents musical also? I mean, did you get any influence from your parents as far as your, uh, musical upbringing? I got a lot of influence from them. Uh-huh. My mother is, um, pianist and organist, and uh-huh. she would play organs at the church, and when she was there, I would always be there by her side, 
picking picking notes out of what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that my harmonic background probably came directly from her um, and the way that she played. She was, you know, she kind of played Cordy too. Um, and she was listening to easy listening music, which is, you know, you know, very jazzy and mm-hmm. uh, and lush. And, right. And then my what my dad brought to it. My dad was a quartet man. He uh, he loved, you know, four part harmony and, uh, you know, we try to sing all the parts <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he brought that element. And of course, you know, uh, where my mom is very laid back and and you know a wallflower kind of type of woman my dad is so out front so i think the combination of the two is maybe who i am so in a way it's in the blood <laughs> yep it's definitely in there my, my granddaddy did it too you know <laughs> he was a quartet man as well that's so, right that's me you know, it, it goes deep they call you the architect <laughs> ben came up with that name. <laughs> who's who's that Alvin. Alvin. Oh, Alvin. For the amusement of our, uh, our of our audience here, explain why they call you the architect there. Uh, because um, I'm credited with coming up with uh, the blueprint for the sound mm-hmm. that we have. Yeah. Uh, making take six who it is. Historically, it just goes back to that bathroom ev- invasion again, huh? That bathroom invasion. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> the invasion of the bathroom. That's, that's, well, you can take that a number of ways. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> Uh, gee whiz! You know, Take Six is definitely a group that that's very unique, and I can't. I I don't think I can identify any group out there that has its sounds like you. Lots of acapella bands, you know, they uh, the vocal groups they're out there and they started after you, but in fact, uh, you guys are the the people that they really emulate. You know, and uh, always a high compliment. It is, and I mean it that way because the fact that, um, you know, success, uh, everybody likes to, to borrow on success. But, you know, also I think a lot of people have taken also the vocal group to a different level too, to different methods. You know, it always happens when you one generation does something, the next generation comes and adds something to it and makes it even better than it was before. Mm-hmm. You know, at the heart of gospel music is a spiritual message. And, you know, is this a message that uh, you weave into everything you do? I mean, in other words, I guess in your mind, what's the difference or what's the separation between gospel and secular for you? Oh, yeah, it is very important first and foremost to us. Um, it is what we live by. It is, you know, you know, for for lack of better words, our creed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is it is. Um, it governs the way we we do our lives and how we treat people, you know, and it drives us to uh, do what we do, and you mm-hmm. know, and it holds us when things really get rough. We can always fall back. Well, why are we really doing this? Yeah, and we're doing this not just because we want to do it for ourselves, but because God has given us the commission to do it, mm-hmm. and that that you know will enable us to do it when when things just look absolutely impossible and it has mm-hmm. and it still is so yeah it definitely drives us and it, it's um, you know i hope i'm answering your question but yeah, i think so yeah definitely yeah that's, mm-hmm. it, it it definitely is the core of what it is we are mm-hmm. well you know you sort of think of the the longevity of of your group 85 to where we are right now and uh 
she whiz. That's twenty years, man. I mean, yeah, and uh, boy, twenty years that, of, <laughs> of of a bunch of hoodlums fighting each other. <laughs> How do we get along? Yeah, How that's do we my next do what question. We do? How do we get past you know the, the the differences that would just absolutely break you down? Yeah. That's it, right there. Yeah. That's the glue, isn't it? Um, the reason I had mentioned, you know, the twenty years of that you guys have been, you know, together and the chemistry and the things that you've had to overcome, you know, with so many people, key people to manage in this group coordinating, the group seems to be like one heck of a challenge. Uh, six families, six guys, or whatever. How do you guys manage that? Wow. It, well, you're right. It has been. It is a, a great headache to manage Take Six. Mm-hmm. Um, you ask any of our many managers, mm-hmm. <laughs> we've had a few, um, that, you know, it's like, you know, managing one artist to get one set of ideas. Yeah. Well, you got six of them. And, you know, we're all equal and, and very democratic in how we work. And you got to learn that first. You have to learn that, you know, even though you might go to one person he completely disagrees, you know, that the ship is going to run with the majority. Mm-hmm. So if one person disagrees, you need not fret. We are still going to move. Um, and, you know, we work our differences out. And management has to learn that. But it's tough. Yeah. It is really tough, going, you know, when one person, you know, is, is trying to do... Uh, a completely different type of career and you know it seems like they're not on board but really in essence they are and we know that but the management might not realize that for a little while yeah so you know and then just dealing with everybody's schedules is crazy yeah i follow you so you know if you want to be up for the job of managing take six (laughs) take a volume (laughs) take a chill pill and sit back there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, going on, on almost you know twenty plus years, you know, are, are are you still? I mean, this may not be a fair question, but are you still challenged with Take Six? I mean, you you all have achieved such a a high level of of musical quality that I wonder, you know, you must obviously you really love what you do and you love all the guys and and right. uh, what what keeps you driven to to keep this going? Well, you know, that that one is a hard and easy question to answer. Mm-hmm. The drive is because, for me, it is so in me. I'll be doing this whether I have a group or not. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I I love it so much. I can't help but do it. When mm-hmm. music comes out, that's what that's what's, what that is just what's going to come out. Um, it is it is hard um, because you know although uh, we've had a, a large degree of success, we have been together for twenty years, <coughs> but we are very much under the radar. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. as far as as the public is concerned, everybody knows who we are, but you don't really hear us that much on pop radio, or you know. Um, so it it gets tough, and those challenges can be discouraging. Um, uh, you know, financially as well as you know, just career wise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, that drive is always still there. And we do love what we're doing so much. When we get out on stage, it's still like magic. Yeah. It is still absolutely amazing. Um, and it's fun for us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I actually look forward to the times that we're on the road and we're throwing down. We have a new concert, man. It's just like, you know, like super fuel in the blood, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. So you're currently quasi-touring right now? 
Um, we do. We're doing spot dates right now. Uh-huh. We have a, a huge tour lined up for the fall. Really? Um, yeah, in, uh, spanning all of Europe. And uh, this summer, you know, we're going to take a lot of deep breaths to get mm-hmm. ready for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm going to enjoy the time that I actually I'm actually not on the road. Uh-huh. But we always have spot dates going That's on. Cool. That's will, cool. will you guys be uh, when you go on your tour in the fall? Will you guys uh, be performing some of the new material that that you're working on now? Oh, absolutely, Good. absolutely, we will. Um, looking forward to to doing some of this. Some of this stuff. Yeah. You um, touched. You touched, Marco. You touched a little bit on, on, on. It'll be a European tour, right? Yes. Um, have you toured Europe before? And 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 what what is the reception of uh, you know what what kind of reception do you get when you get to Japan or Italy or whatever? What kind of different uh, tones of reception do you get internationally? Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> How is it different? It's from like it, the people are just really blown away with. Uh, uh, what we're doing, and it, you know, no matter where we go, even though we're not speaking their language, mm-hmm. it's just you know, you know, if people have come to hear us, then they will definitely not be disappointed. Mm-hmm. I think the uh, the music the music culture in Europe and you know parts of Asia and you know other parts of the world, it, it's we're finding since doing this show and and the people that we've spoken to, it, it's it's so different than it is here. I mean, we're sort of a we're sort of a strange island when it comes to music in this country. You know, what, what we're listening to, what we're presented with, what the labels, you know, uh, I guess shove down our throats. That's <laughs> but, it. But, you uh, just hit it on the head. But, you know, I, you know, it's interesting with this show, the people we speak to, the majority, we track our audience. You know, we, we have a way to go in and see, you know, who's listening and where they're listening from. And about 60 to 65 percent of the, of the listening audience of our show is from Europe, Japan, you know, different parts of the world. And, and, you know, Italy, we get so many, there's yeah. so many people that listen to our show in Italy and uh, I, they have such a different appreciation for, you know, the real musicianship. I mean, not just this, not just the product itself, but the people who are producing the product. Yeah. yeah. They do. They do. And, and we, we appreciate that. The fact that, that, you know, they read the labels. They know what's going on. I mean, it's not that people. It's not that there aren't people in the states that do, but it seems like a higher concentration of people in those countries really get it. You know, they yeah, really, they yeah. really understand it. You know, unfortunately, it's like you know, the, us uh, here in the United States, we're just a bit spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. it's all kind of laid out there for us. And, right. But there, you know, it's it's so much appreciated. Personally, I don't know. If, other countries. I don't know if I would call it spoiled because I don't. I, you know, I, this is the stuff I want to hear. I want to hear the stuff on the radio. I want to hear what you guys are doing and what you know a lot of our guests yeah, are doing. Right. And so, in a, in a way, we're sort of deprived. You know, that's well, the way, that's the way I look at it. Thanks to the people like you, it'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, know? hopefully, you know, we're getting the word out there. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, so much kudos to you guys and what you're doing because that that's how it's going to happen. Yeah, you know. Exactly. Um, on your off time, uh, have you or any members of the group ever recorded? Uh, how often do you get out and record your independent projects, collaborations? Because I, I know that you get out yourself and perform not only at churches but other venues. How, how, do, how does that arrangement work with Take Six? Well, you know, everybody's free to do whatever they want to do. Uh-huh. If they can, you know, have the time to do it. And, and we support each other in that. Um, um, there hasn't hasn't really been any any one person that's gone solo um, away from us. It probably will happen now. Mm-hmm. Um, we we're looking forward to doing something like that. Yeah. Um, even me, in my old age, I'm going to try to get out there 
yeah. put something together that that will be really cool. But um, uh, we're all free to do it, and if we can make it happen, then we do. Yeah. You know, I've got two more quick questions, and, and these are ones, Eddie, I don't think we've asked anybody in a long time. But, but the first question is, uh, if you have an iPod, what's on it? What do you listen to? Wow. I have a lot of music on my iPod. <laughs> just, a, just a few highlights. How about this week? What, have you, you what know, do you listen to this week? I'll tell you um, who some of my all-time favorites are. Uh, Jovan, mm-hmm. the Brazilian artist. Yvonne yeah. uh-huh. Lenz. Um, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh-huh. Uh, Layla Hathaway. Okay. Uh, I think she just put out, an, there's a new album of hers this yeah, week. Yeah, I'm loving it too. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, Frank McComb. Mm-hmm. Of course, Marcus Miller. Uh-huh. Uh, I have Algero. I have all the standards. I have Andy Irie. Oh, yeah, she's great. Oh, uh, yeah, Jill Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm sure you could go on and on. I can't. <laughs> and of course, you know, I can't leave out my man Stevie Wonder because that's my buddy. There you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> By the way, yeah, speakers. I can go on and on. I'm telling you. Yeah. You know, I'm, and I feel bad because I'm starting to list people. As, you know, <laughs> I know that there's so many more that I listen to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I guess the other question I had for you is, uh, and we've asked a couple of our guests this, but. If you could be doing anything outside of music, if if music, you know, if it wasn't in the stars for you, what what would you be doing? What what are your other interests? Well, you know, first and foremost, right now, I am absolutely loving running behind my kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> my daughter is is going to be thirteen a couple of days, and my son is ten, and they do sports. He plays AAU basketball, and he plays uh, little league football, and I. I cannot tell you how much I love that. Um, I do electrical work. I do construction. You know, I would probably do that. Yeah, really, it's me. Um, you know, in, in my spare time, because mm-hmm. I, I love doing things with my hand. I might be, um, I might uh, be a bodybuilder. <laughs> I love doing that too. Yeah, you work out yeah. a lot, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I can't work out as much as I'd like to. Yeah. But, because I'm so busy trying to keep everybody... You're going to have to send us a picture so we can update the picture on Inside Music Cast. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, I'm going to send you Pumping one. Pumping some weight. Okay, I'm go ahead. get myself together and show it all off. <laughs> hey, Mark, I just want to thank you for, for taking the time to talk with uh, me and Rick. It's been a pleasure. We've learned an awful lot. And, and uh, gee whiz, I'm... I'm, I'm uh, well, let me ask you a question. If, if someone wants to hear more and find out more about you and Take Six, where can they go to... Uh, you know, oh, yes. Well, absolutely. Take6.com. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number Easy one enough. place to, to figure out where we're going to be and what we're doing and all the things that I'm doing. It's Take6 also has a MySpace page. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and from there, you can get the get the links to our personal MySpace pages. Perfect. That, uh, that you know, you can see what's going on in our personal lives as well. But Take6.com, that's the number one place. Yeah, and Eddie and I can put a link up on our site, too, yep. so people can we find it easily. That. Thank you so yeah. much, and we'll, we'll do that same thing for you. All right, great. Thanks again, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Uh, thank you very much. All right, take care. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Special thanks to Mark Kibble for joining us on this episode of Inside Music Cast. Our goal is to bring you a new episode of Inside Music Cast every other week. Be sure to check out InsideMusicCast.com for continuing updates, including our People's Forum, where you can chat about all things music with Inside Music Cast listeners from around the world. 
That's InsideMusicCast.com with one C. For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such. Thanks for listening to Inside MusicCast. Thanks for downloading Inside MusicCast, the podcast devoted to the musicians, fans, and the people who make the music business happen. Your subscription is appreciated, so be sure to check your podcatcher for our next episode. You can also visit InsideMusicCast.com for additional content. If you'd like to contact us via email, the address is input at InsideMusicCast.com. 